0: It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided our world has become? We desperately need stories of peace and healing. We find the bridge builders across the globe who are stepping into the divides of culture and bringing understanding, compassion, and reconciliation. And now, here's your hosts, Jonathan Sanborn and Lisa Jernigan.
1: Well, we want to officially welcome you. Is there an unofficial way to welcome somebody? Yo. Yo, okay. <laughs> so we're going to officially, officially. And as I, I kind of rolled out, officially and unofficially, unofficially I guess, welcome, welcome you, welcome you and, and welcome you back. Hopefully we're welcoming you back and hopefully we've got new listeners that are joining us for the first time. And if you are, I'm Lisa.
0: And I'm Jonathan. And I think that
1: was pretty self explanatory,
0: right? And we are counterculture.
1: We are an Amplify Peace. An
0: Amplify Peace.
1: And, and we're here just to just help expose ourselves. It starts with us because we're curious and there's different narratives and different perspectives that are out there. And how do we learn from those? And because we always see life through our own lens. And we think that's normal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've learned over the years that I'm not really normal. How about you?
0: I've been meaning to talk to you about that.
1: <laughs> and, and I've learned to be okay with that, I think, for <laughs> the most part. So. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: Good>. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> you know you joined a freak show I but, know. You know, with me, so it's okay. And we're, I love cool every moment of it, right? Okay, that's yeah. why
1: I said yes. <laughs> that's right. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's an adventure. And that's what we want to invite everyone into, yes. an adventure with us. Are
0: we scaring our guests?
1: I hope I not. Th- I hope not. You know what? I I know her a little bit. Okay. Just a little bit, right? And I think she's amazing. So I want to introduce our guest on our show today, who is Lynn Bashara, who is an amazing woman who was actually born in Vietnam, Mm -hmm. has been here, been married like 17 years. She and her husband own and lead a a dental practice for kids. So you know that says a lot about her, right? Yes. A kid in a dental chair. I mean, say no more. Right. I'm shuddering. Right? But – um. Len also sits on our leadership board um, at Central Christian Church, mm-hmm. Arizona, and just a remarkable woman that I've watched over the years. Just she's one of those ones when when she walks into a room, she lights up the room and she makes people feel like I'm loved and I belong. And that's a rare gift. And so, Len, welcome to our show today. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you for having me. Oh, this is
0: great. I'm already excited. <laughs>
1: I know, right? Well, you know, I, I was, um, Last month in May, uh, it was Asian American Awareness Month. Okay. So I started just researching a little bit about that to understand that culture and what does that mean and why did did that begin. And some of the things I started learning about that were that actually – violence among um Asian Americans has been increasing in the past couple of years.
0: Towards Asian towards Asian Americans. Yes, yes. Yes.
1: And so especially you know with, with the pandemic and, and all of that. We can go into that with Lynn because I'd love to hear perspective. And just um just the culture and I love the rich culture anyway, sure. what it brings. And so I just was thinking, you know, We'd lo- I'd love to have a voice Have yes. somebody that, that understands that. What's it like to be an Asian American woman at, today and, and to be in your skin, which, you know, I only know my skin. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to say, tell us your story a little bit.
2: Okay. Thank you. Thanks for giving me a voice. <laughs> um, well, I came to the United States in 1975 um, after the fall of Vietnam. Uh, I was three at the time. And so coming into the United States, I get to see, growing up, the perspective from my parents' side. Um, they didn't adapt very well. And so it was a lot of turmoil in the home because they were ripped away from their homeland. They didn't want to they didn't leave their mm. homeland. But my dad was an Air Force uh, fighter for the Vi- Vietnam Air Force. And so it's like he fought a war in Vietnam. We lost that war. And then coming to America, it's like he fought another war. Mm. And it was a war of just not being able to adapt. And the trauma from the war and having to adapt in America and learn a new way of life was very hard for him. So I saw him fight another war, and it was a war of alcoholism. Mm -hmm. So he tried to numb himself. So I I saw that growing up. And then I saw my mom um, just – She did not want to be in America and she, seeing the pain in her eyes and not allowing us, our, as children, there's a five, five of us, I'm the oldest of five, but not allowing us to fully immerse in America and and embrace the culture. And she kept our home like Vietnam. She's like, you only speak Vietnamese. And if you don't speak Vietnamese, you're going to get the rod. And so and, and, and I grew up in this home where my mom was like, anyone outside of the Vietnamese culture is a barbarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she said mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was really hard for us as kids growing up in this home to adapt in America and, and to see my parents like this. That for me, I was torn. But I just love people. And I just think that's just the way I was made by God. And so I just love people and I want to adapt and I want to know other cultures. And we lived in Los Angeles. So I lived in a melting pot. And so and I went to school at Gardena High. Yeah. So it's just a melting you pot. You can't of just
0: people. be around Vietnamese. Vietnamese.
2: You exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm at home and it's Vietnam. But then yeah. when I'm out in the world, it's America and we're in a melting pot. So there's this... This two mix of, of culture, you know, American culture and, and Vietnamese culture. Um, so I grew up with that and then learning to, um, to love my parents and Vietnamese culture and learning to love American culture. It was, it, it was a, a tear. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I just, Grew and I loved and I allowed for American culture just to seep in and but in a way it was tearing the family unit because I didn't want to just love Vietnamese people I wanted to love all people mm-hmm. and so
0: give us an example of that like like did you do try to invite a friend over oh or? absolutely
2: I tried to invite friends over and that didn't go well. So then I would sneak out to be mm-hmm. with friends. Um, and so my mom, you know, she, because she didn't adapt well and because she had this mentality that you can only hang out with Vietnamese people, you can only invite Vietnamese people over, she became very abusive mentally, physically. Mm-hmm. And so if I found joy in wanting to be with other friends of different, race mm-hmm. um, my mom would abuse me for that physically mm-hmm. and so I grew up abused mentally physically and so it was hard for me to try to live in an American culture and still have you know be Vietnamese when I have this oppression from home yes. mm-hmm. um, and so but I always it's like I just feel like this is how God made me, to want to know people, to want to love people. Um, and so he helped me to break out from that, mm. even though I was oppressed at home. Mm. Um,
1: and when did you uh, start learning English? And was that a problem in the home when, yeah. you, when you said your parents, like, we're only going to speak Vietnamese? But obviously to adapt to American culture, you have to learn language exactly so going to school i had to take esl Mm -hmm.
2: and you know with asian people it's it's a stereotype but it's there's some truth behind it i mean my l's and my r's i had some trouble (laughs) with my l's and my r's and so i see a lot of you know there's some other vietnamese people because and this is 1975 or when i came and then went to school in the late 70s um that you can see that you know, kids, the Vietnamese kids, the refugee, you know, Vietnamese uh, kids that are in ESL and learning how to say worlds and, you know, the R's and the L's. Yeah. And so from that, I really want wanted to perfect my English talk. And so I just worked really hard in ESL. And so... Yeah. And that was that was an adventure and that was fun. And and now I get to kind of get along with other people um, in school because now mm. I'm beginning to learn the English language and not just Vietnamese. Yeah. So I got so I got to be um, welcomed more into the community of friends mm. who because I spoke the language, we can relate
0: so did your parents discourage the study of English? Even no. though they knew that you would, yeah. that's your benefit to surviving. Is exactly. Is you know, the language.
2: They didn't discourage it, but they discouraged speaking it at home. Okay. You just couldn't speak it at home. So in a way, I guess that was a blessing because I can still speak Vietnamese to this day and understand it. So I know my mom was trying to keep the culture of Vietnam in me. Um, but also knowing that we live in America, so you need to go to school and you need to learn the English language. Um, so yeah, it, it had its benefits. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you were saying, you know, you you guys left the war right after the war, and your yes, guys, and, and then he comes into his uh, his own personal war. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just so much trauma that's laden in that story. And I think even as Americans that, that live here, that this is our culture, this is our language, we forget that we just think, well, of course everybody wants to live in America. And and like, you know, they're just trying to take advantage. I mean, just as some a mindset sometimes, instead of going, people really don't want to leave their homeland. Right. Yeah. They really don't. They want to stay in their culture. They want to stay in their land where their families have been for generations. And then when war and things displace people... It's so disrupting and traumatizing that we forget to see that part of it that even to this you know another generation like yourself lives with that the yeah. you know the the ripple effects of the trauma from your parents and even before yes so how has that been for you as you become an adult like you had your own trauma from right. all this yes well
2: i think the trauma from my parents and then my own trauma Has definitely helped me in my adulthood to have more compassion for people, Mm. um, especially people who are displaced. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and I think that's where, you know, I just grew more to love people even more um, because I want to see them, I want to hear their stories, um, and I just want to just show love and compassion. To them, because I know what it's like to be, uh, t- torn away from your own country, even though I was young, but, you know, see it through the lens of my parents. Um, that I just want to do whatever I can to just help them and make them feel loved and welcomed in America. And it doesn't matter who, um, doesn't matter what color you are. Um, so that's how that's helped me, even though it was traumatic and painful. Um, But really through that, it's like God used all of that to bring me to this um, point of compassion and love for people. Mm. Um, So in my home, I was raised Buddhist, um, but I had an encounter with Jesus in 2009. And But as a little girl, I believed in a God. And it wasn't necessarily Buddha that I believed. I just believed that there was a God that created the world. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, God, you created this beautiful world. You created people. And then when I, in 2009, I entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ because I knew there was God a creator, but I didn't know that there was this redemption plan that God had for his people through Jesus Christ. And so now the way I live my life as an adult is through the lens of Jesus, mm. because I, I was just reading in Revelations today and, and how the vision was in, in heaven that all nation, language and tongue and peoples, they're all there, thousands, like you can't even number them. Mm. And so now as an adult, Christian adult, you know, follower of Jesus, I, live through the life of christ and i just want everyone to know jesus and to come into the kingdom because this is the kingdom that god has created that Mm -hmm. it includes everyone doesn't matter your background your color your gender is everyone is included and so that's how god has helped me navigate my life today and even with the trauma that i've been through Mm -hmm. in my early years like it's it's god uses it all
0: as I understand Southeast Asian culture, uh, if, from my limited experience, um, is there a sense that you were dishonoring your parents by leaving Buddhism?
2: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, the year that my mom found out that I was a Christian, she, I had a couple of ladies come over. They wanted to do Bible study. And I'm like, yes, because I was on fire. I want to know. And my mom just happens to be visiting. And she visits for like a month at a time. Mm-hmm. And she she's usually in her room watching her Vietnamese movies. <laughs> well, she kept coming out. And she's like, what's happening? I'm like, I'm just having friends over. So after a few times of her asking, I finally said, Mom, I'm having Bible study. And she went off the deep end. And she, Oh, my goodness. Yeah, she's like, you're not Christian. You're Buddhist. And I was like, no, Mom, I'm Christian. I said, you're a Buddhist. <laughs> and she went in her room. She slammed the door. She packed her clothes. She was out. And she, she disowned me. She says, wow. you're no longer my daughter. Hmm. And I just remember, I mean, obviously, that was so oh. hurtful. It tore my heart apart. But I went into the room and I said this to her. I said, Mom, I love you so much. And it's because of Jesus. I love you even more. And those were my last words to her. Before she packed her bags and left. And it was a whole year of her not talking to me. And it was during that year that I just kept praying that God would soften her heart. And I would call her and leave messages on her phone and just say, Mom, I just want, I just love you and I miss you. And it was after a year that thank you, Lord, her heart was softened and we enter into a relationship again. Um, and she's still Buddhist, but I mean, here's the miracle. A woman who said you cannot ever associate with yourself with anybody because everyone's a barbarian. She went to a Bible study. And I was just like, God, thank you. Mm. Thank you so much. You are working on her heart. And you can see that God's love is breaking through. Mm-hmm. And just one day, one day, I hold on to the hope that she will also enter a relationship mm-hmm. with the God who loves her and made her.
1: I, you know, there's so much. So I'm listening to this, you know, just the through the lens of peacemaking and through the, the lens of Jesus. And yes. like how do we, how do we have a relationship with somebody that's very different and even has been – hostile toward us in in some ways, right? But right. it's not really us, it's it's what we represent. Yes. And how do you separate that from the person? And I love how you build you still love your mom. Yes. You guys had differing opinions and you know you still loved and pursued her. And then how God just He does redemptive work yes. and in in our hearts. I wanna talk a little bit about um, just today, uh, being an Asian American um, and living in, in this culture and we've seen a lot of I mean changes in our culture mm-hmm. in the past couple of years, especially with the pandemic and um, you know the racial narrative and so much of that and I think uh, we we forget that there's all these other races too that are that are suffering right. at the same time and so can you share with us a little bit about from the asian American perspective like is there more fear for you and your community even today? In the past couple of years, mm-hmm. is what is it? What is that like? How how is your community? Which how are you seeing the world? And and what do you would you wish us to know? Right.
2: Well, I think prior to the pandemic, you know, I didn't feel fear, um, but definitely during the pandemic, there is this narrative of. You know, you hear like the COVID coming from China and Kung Flu and all yeah, that, right? Yeah. So, and then just this, uh, this conversation with other um, Asians in our community, um, even with my mom and my, my brothers and sisters who live in LA, um, that definitely the narrative of, you know, where COVID came from and then being Asian and then being grouped as, oh, you're Chinese. Yeah. Um, and my mom would say, <laughs> she tells me, Oh yeah, my friend, she's making this t-shirt and it says, We're not Chinese, we're Vietnamese. So, and for her to, to say that and yeah. to do, it's, it's fear. And so for me, um, during the pandemic, I mean the narrative, you know, of where the COVID came from and, and the the rise in in violence of what's happened in the Asian community in, in San Francisco, um Atlanta. in other parts exact Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so definitely it created a fear even within me <laughs> because I was like, Okay, I'm stepping out and in during that time when we had to be isolated, but you can go and get food. And I would step out, and I'll go into the market. And for the first time, I don't know if it's because I'm more heightened awareness of people staring at me. Is it because I'm Asian? Um, is it because of this idea that the pandemic came from, you know, Asian people, Chinese, and then me being Vietnamese and being grouped as a Chinese person? Because I've been... Um, been been mistaken as oh asked are you Chinese and I'm like no I'm Vietnamese you know and so I just want I guess people to know that that there are different groups of um, Southeast Asian or just Asian people yeah. that we're not just all Chinese mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that and we have our our fears too with the virus. You know, and that we love people. And we even if we even if let's say I was Chinese and, and had this virus, like I wouldn't want anyone to get it, you know. Um, so I just want people to know that that there are other Asian people. And even if I was Chinese, I wouldn't want to inflict you with the disease. You know, I don't want you to to stay away from me just because I'm Asian, that you're you're scared of me that, oh, because this flu came from China, that perhaps, you know, there's a narrative out there that people don't want to be around Asian people because they're scared that they're going to get, you know, the disease from the Asian community. Mm. So there's that talk, obviously, in in our Asian group our Asian circles and then it's like how do we navigate our life during the pandemic as an Asian person that you know what you just keep going out and keep loving you know and and keep smiling at people Mm -hmm. that even if you know if I smile and people look at me and they turn away because I have noticed that and it's okay you know and I just want people to know that we just as an asian person trying to live in america trying to make the best of our life here that we just want to get along with everybody and we want to we want to love everyone you know mm. at least i do i can't speak for all, all asian, but sure. at least the group that i'm with you know we feel the same we feel the same way mm-hmm. you know i can't speak for my
1: mom <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but i can speak for myself yeah well and everybody's on a journey and it's really easy for us to lump a whole people group, everybody into the people, you know, without seeing individual people. Like you said, I'm this, and I I choose to love, yes, right? And there's others that don't choose the path of love, but it doesn't make the whole people group bad, exactly, Mm -hmm. right? Or make them all good. And I think we do that, even with ourselves all the time, and even with Christians. Yeah,
0: that's right. Those Christians, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, as you look at that, like, there's some... Not great Christians, but don't label all of us as bad because of somebody's behavior.
0: And the absurdity, I mean, Asia is massive. It's so many different cultures. It's like saying, like, to to lump in, like, Vietnamese and Chinese together. It's, like, so ridiculous. It's like saying (laughs) Russians and English, they're just the same people. You know, know, they're all all the same. They're they're white. You know, they're from Europe. So I guess they're... Yeah. They're all the same, yeah. you know. It's it's absurd, you know. Yeah. And so and so, I think I'm I'm loving this discussion because. And then so now you take it to your church. Like, yes. how does this live itself out in your church life? And you do you experience this within a church context, or is it more like out in the world? Tell me yeah. about that.
2: I, it's more out in the world. Yeah. Um, in the church context, I really haven't come across anyone that wasn't welcome welcoming and and opening, you know, their hearts to me as an Asian person. Um, But how I live it out in the church is that, you know, I I have a community group through our church, and I'm serious. I look at this community group, and there's like 12 women, and it represents the kingdom of God. It's like we have our Asians, we have, you know, the Hispanics, we have the blacks, and not to say we have all cultures, but when I look, I'm like, wow, this is what... You know, really is representative of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's, it's us sitting around in a circle and listening to our stories and getting to know each other, um, by the ways of our skin and the ways of our culture, um, and seeing behind the lens of Christ and how we can build one another up, pray for each other, but also how can we live our life out in the world so that we can also love people that are different from our skin. And so that's what I um, I try to do in, in our church as a leader is that we would love God, love people. Mm-hmm. And we just really thoroughly want to live this out. Now, out in the world, you know, my narrative in the world as a Christian woman, I just want to be a peacemaker. I want people to have an encounter with Jesus the mm. way that I did. He rocked my world. He He changed my heart from, okay, I'll love people as long as they love me. But if you're mean to me, you're out of my life. No, Jesus' narrative is, Lynn, love everybody.
1: Mm. Mm. That is such a great message to take with us because that is the the way— we're choosing a better way, right? We don't have to settle, we, but the way of love and what does that look like? Yes. And that's really, again, we've talked about this so many times, leaning in with curiosity to learn. We yes. need to know more about your story and what's it like for you to be you.
0: This has been a great conversation. I'm, are, are you excited? I mean, love I, it. I just love it. Lynn, thank you so much for being on our, on Counterculture today. And just we love your story. We love we – God has done a great thing through you. And we are so we have been blessed by this conversation. Sure. Yes. Thank and we you, know our listeners will be too. Yes. Thank you Aww, so much for coming. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for listening today.
0: Counterculture is made possible by Amplified Peace educating, immersing, training and launching peacemakers to build united communities. And by Care Portal, a platform connecting the needs of children and families in crisis to the local church.